Welcome to the Socialette Podcast, where we empower you with the marketing know-how you need to create the business of your dreams. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a marketing nerd, Shiraz lover, and passport stamp collector. Join me as I dive into all things small business marketing and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free lessons every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Let's get learning. Hey, welcome back to the Socialette podcast. This is episode 151 and it's also Socialette's first birthday. This episode is brought to you by my free Instagram cheat sheet, Seven Savvy Strategies to Ignite Your Instagram. Inside this free Instagram cheat sheet, you'll find seven real strategies to reach the right people, post better content, grow your audience and turn these people into paying customers or clients. Head to stephtaylor.co forward slash IG to download it. All right, on to the episode. So a year ago on the 1st of May, 2018, I hit publish on the podcast baby that I'd been working on. And it was probably one of the scariest things I've done in my business so far, if not the scariest thing, because even though I'd been publishing blog posts pretty regularly up until then, there was just something that much scarier about putting my voice out there for the world to listen to. And I'd been umming and eyeing about launching a podcast for quite a while. Like I knew that I wanted to launch one, but I had no idea what I wanted it to be about. All I knew is that I didn't want it to be the same as every single other marketing podcast out there because, and I know you guys will agree with me, there are a lot out there and there is a lot of clutter in the space. I can't thank my friend Ronsley Vaz enough for knocking back my first podcast idea. He runs a marketing agency, an audio marketing agency called Amplify. So he knows a thing or two about podcasting. And when I went to him with my first podcast idea, he basically told me to go back to the drawing board. And lucky I did because Socialette in its form right now wouldn't exist if I'd gone ahead with that initial idea. So to celebrate one year of the Socialette podcast, I put the feelers out on Instagram for listener questions. And this episode's going to be me answering as many as I can. So let's go. Question number one, do you have any top tips for starting your own marketing agency? Great question. So my biggest tip would be to get crystal clear on your point of difference. There are so many marketing agencies out there, like every man and his dog has one these days. So whether it's having a brand that makes you stand out in some way or niching down in terms of who you'll work with, you need to do something that separates you from the others. So Maybe you'll specialize in a certain type of business or maybe you'll specialize in a certain service offering. So you'll become known as the go-to for that industry or for that skill. Otherwise, you're going to just end up competing purely on price and then it's a race to the bottom from there. And spoiler alert, there is always going to be somebody cheaper than you. My other tip is to work out what you want your agency to look like before you start. Do you want a big team where you're running the show, but you're not very hands-on with clients? Or like, do you want to be doing the work and dealing with the clients on a daily basis? Figure that out so that you've got that vision in mind. Question number two, what did you do for work before this? I love this question because it puts me firmly in the camp of business owners with expensive degrees that we don't use. (laughs) And I know I'm not the only one. 
So what most of you don't know is that I actually used to work in corporate finance at one of the big four accounting firms. And it's pretty funny to look back on it now because it feels like a completely different life to the one that I live now. And while I was there, so I started side hustling, managing social media for some local cafes. And I realized that I was a lot more interested in marketing than I was in the work that I was actually doing in my job. So I don't regret like I don't regret the job at all because what it taught me about working with clients has been so incredibly valuable and I also have a bit more practical knowledge around running a business and the financial stuff than I would have if I'd just gone straight into marketing. So, yeah, if you're in a job that's a million miles away from what you really want to do, just remember it's never too late to change, like even if it's a really drastic change. Okay, question number 3. And I actually had quite a few of you ask this one. So, I'm I'm going to give it a bit of a longer answer. How do you get your followers to be more engaged? How do you drive social media engagement? This is a tricky one because there's no hard and fast rule for getting more engagement. For me, I noticed that the biggest increase engagement came when I stopped posting content for the sake of getting more engagement. So I stopped trying to do all of the tactics that I'd read online about how to get more engagement, and I just started posting content that was authentically me. And I cringe using the word authentic because it's just so overused and most of the time it doesn't actually mean what we want it to mean. But if you're staying true to your brand, then you'll find that the right people start to engage with your content. And note that I said the right people because some people aren't ever going to become your customers or your clients or your brand advocates. They're just not your people and whether or not these people are engaging with your posts, that doesn't matter. You might find that once you start posting authentically as your brand, your engagement actually drops, but you might find that the people who are engaging with it now are the right people, and that's the overall goal. For me, I've noticed personally that the posts that get the most engagement are the ones where I talk about something that isn't really talked about in the space, so it might be, I don't know, me re- revealing a reality of running a business or talking about like something that's a little bit less glamorous and not so much like the the Instagram highlight reel or also posts where I ask my followers for their opinion. An example of this was when I did a post about my morning routine a couple of months ago and I asked everyone to share theirs and this got a ton of comment because people wanted to share theirs and they wanted to comment on other people's routines as well. So I hope that helps. Question number 4. How do you coordinate your feed to make it look nice? Any tips on keeping it to one theme? So, I would start with step 1 here. Figure out your brand look and feel. This step is non-negotiable because once you've honed in on how your brand looks and feels, you can then create a style guide or have a designer create one for you. And your brand style guide will essentially set out how your brand looks. So, the colors that you use, the fonts that you use, any icons or illustrations you use, etc., etc. As your Instagram feed is an extension of your brand, it should be consistent with your brand style guide. Just like how your website is or any PDFs you might have are, they should all be consistent. Any graphics that you create should use your brand colors and fonts, and any photos that you post to Instagram should also have a similarish color palette. The photos are the tricky part. I do understand that, and that's why I typically recommend working with a professional photographer to get some done, whether that's product photos or like branding photos of yourself or of your team or your office, whatever it is. A professional photo- photographer knows how to shoot photos in a consistent style. and they'll know how to edit them to look consistent with your brand look and feel. And it instantly takes a lot of pressure off you to always have to create content because you'll have this content bank that you can go back to. Question number 5. Are you where you thought you'd be in 1 year? 
So although the podcast just turned one, I'm actually in my fourth year of business now, which is kind of weird to think about, but the business as it is right now has only really been going for a year or so. So let's just say that it's my first year. (laughs) It's funny because if you told me a year ago that the podcast would nearly have hit 300,000 downloads, would have hit number one in the iTunes business charts multiple times, and that I would have spoken at a podcasting conference on the other side of the world, (laughs) I'd probably have laughed and I would have said like, no way, like that wouldn't have happened in a year. So in some respects, I think I've achieved a lot more than I thought I would, but I also didn't think I'd be back in Brisbane. I didn't think I would have given up client work a hundred percent. And I didn't think I would have started a membership site. Like I was always quite anti starting a membership site, but you know what? I wouldn't change any of it. I've learned so much in the last year and I've also had a lot of fun along the way. I think as business owners, we can get so caught up in the process and like what it should look like, how making it look perfect along the way. And we just forget to roll with it and enjoy the journey. So yeah, I guess I'm not where I thought I would be in one year and I'm totally okay with that. (laughs) Question number six, how do you find your Facebook ads target audience if similar businesses are too small to show up when you're setting them up? Okay, so I I would encourage you to think about what other interests your audience has. And an easy way to find this out is if you have an email list or a customer database, you can upload this to a Facebook custom audience. Then once you've created that custom audience, you can use Facebook's audience insights to see what other pages that they like, as well as demographic data. So you can't see this down to a personal level, but you can see it as a broader group. So for example, how many people in your custom audience have liked a particular page? Um, What percentage are in different age ranges? From your custom audience, you can also create a lookalike audience where Facebook uses the data that it has on your audience to find people who are most similar to this audience on Facebook. And I highly recommend doing that. I also recommend doing some retargeting. So maybe you want to retarget past customers with ads for new products or ads to get them to repurchase. Maybe you want to retarget people who've viewed product pages with ads for that product. It's very easy to always be trying to think of new cold audiences to target, but sometimes the warm and hot audiences are what you really need to be focusing on. Question number seven, hashtags on Facebook posts, yes or no? Nice, simple question. So hashtags on Facebook work the same way as they do on Instagram by categorizing your content, but they also make your content searchable. So unlike Instagram, brands on Facebook tend to use one to two hashtags per post. The big difference here is it's not about using as many as possible, but rather choosing a few quality ones that are relevant to your content. So if there are hashtags that are relevant to your content, yes, use them, but don't just use them for the sake of it. Question number eight, how do you launch before you launch? I'm ready to go, but my website isn't quite ready yet. I'm not quite sure what your business does, but I'm going to answer this as if you're a service-based business, because if you're selling products, then you really do need your website to be ready. Although like you could start approaching potential stockists in advance of your website launch. But if you're offering a service, then you could look at putting together a PDF that outlines a few key things about who you are, why you're different, your packages, your pricing, your contact details then consider reaching out to potential clients. Maybe you could offer to do some work at a heavily discounted rate or even for free just to start building up testimonials and to start building up your portfolio if that's like the line of work that you're in. 
You could also launch your social media channels ahead of time and start marketing through these. Maybe you could set up a landing page where people can enter their email address to get your packages and pricing PDF. The thing is, it's most likely going to be slow to start unless you've already got a lot of connections in your space. So give it time and be patient and just start getting the marketing going, even if you don't have a website to send people to. Question number nine, what's the most interesting business you've worked with? This one's really tricky because I've worked with such a wide range of businesses and I find them all interesting in some way or another. But I think the most interesting one was a business that specialized in programs to get people, yoga practitioners to achieve arm balances and inversions. So, you know, like headstands and those kinds of tricky things that I really wish I could do and that I can't. It's such a niche idea, but their programs are so popular. So like there's some proof that no idea is too niche to be successful. Question number 10, what are the best free resources for automating your business? I think some of my listeners know what my answer is going to be to this one. And it is Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. It's an app um, that connects your different third-party apps together, essentially. And their free forever plan allows you to set up five automations. But I think once you learn your way around it, you'll probably want to set up a few more. It makes connecting different apps really simple. So for each automation, you set up a trigger and you set up an action. For example, the trigger might be that you post a new YouTube video. And the action is that Zapier will share that YouTube video to LinkedIn for you automatically. So you don't then have to go and manually share that stuff. It's really like, it's such a simple concept, but it does save you a lot of time. Question number 11, how long does it take you to record, edit, and get a podcast episode out? Well, so the recording, the editing, and the publishing doesn't actually take long at all, but it does take me quite a while to prep for each episode. But because I spend that time prepping for the episode, it cuts down my editing time quite a lot. All up, I'd probably estimate about 30 to 45 minutes per episode. Obviously, if it's an interview, it'll be longer because I like to research the guests in detail and the interview itself is usually about 30 minutes to an hour long. When I launched the podcast, I would pretty much like at the start, I would edit the episodes to perfection. Every little filler word got removed, but now I've realized that it's not about perfection. It's about the content. So if I stuff up while I'm recording, like if I do a big stuff up, if I say um or something, I don't bother with that. If I do a big stuff up, I hit pause, I go back and I redo that bit. And that way I don't have to worry about going back and doing too much editing afterwards. So it saves me a lot of time. Question number 12. Do you organize podcast episodes into themes when planning content? I try to, but then I always end up having new ideas and I end up shuffling them around a lot. At the start of the year, I think I planned out like six months worth of content and I've changed most of it because things change. (laughs) Or like sometimes I'll have an idea for an episode and then when I go to prep for that episode, I realize I actually don't have much to say about it. Like I could probably only talk for it about a, for about a minute. So I end up scrapping it and doing something completely different. So I don't know, like the big thing, I, I, I believe in flexibility when it comes to planning content. Like, yes, planning is great, but you've also got to be flexible with those plans. Question number 13, how do you post your podcast on YouTube? I've recently just started using a cool new tool that I discovered at PodFest in Orlando called Repurpose. And it automatically publishes my podcast to YouTube and Facebook, and I can use it to create audio snippets to share on Instagram stories if I want to as well. 
Um, you can grab a free trial actually at stephtaylor.co forward slash repurpose. The plan that I'm on is about $12 a month and it saves me a ton of time. So like I am more than happy to pay for that. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in your questions. I really do appreciate it and I hope that my answers have been valuable in some way. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast for the last year. Here's to Socialette's second year and many, many, many more podcast episodes to come. Thank you so much, guys. Like seriously, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for all of you listeners, all of your amazing feedback, your reviews that you've been leaving, everything. Thank you so much. Anyway, as usual, if you haven't hit subscribe already, make sure you do so so you don't miss any new episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you've learned something at some stage, I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a quick rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Catch you next time.